0: Fox creeping forward. He pulls up 18 footer. here Aaron Fox puts the Kings on top. Makes one, stakes twice. Gives the belly 35 foot 3 for the win. Savannah,
1: We deserve this win, man. When we're done, we can go chop it up, eat,
0: golf, whatever you want to do. But 40 to 48 minutes, I ain't about them games. Welcome back to another episode of the King's Pulse Podcast. My name is Brendan Nunez. Got Rich Ivanowski on here as we always do. What's going on, Rich? How you doing, man? I'm doing good. What do you think of the new King's City edition jerseys? I don't hate them. Like I'm gonna have to see the coloring in a somewhat game environment or practice environment in, in that sort of like stadium lighting, I guess. Or just not someone's bedroom or a crazy filter that the Kings decide to throw on it on their Twitter post? I'm worried about it.
1: Yeah, the, pick, yeah.
0: there's potential for it to be bad, for sure.
1: There's, uh, <laughs> there's real downward. There's not a great floor on this jersey. I'll second that. round
0: pick. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Upside, though? Pretty decent?
0: I think yeah, I think there is. Like, I, I like the checkerboard they got going on, and you know, I feel like black jerseys usually have some potential to them. But I don't know. I'm trying to mix this red and blue in there, and like, mm-hmm. the number looked weirdly big. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, but there's there's some upside. Yeah, there is some
1: limited some limited upside. I, I, you know, we on this show we did a greatest jerseys of all time point uh, I, or you did I, I kind of gave you the matchups and you chose your favorite jerseys of all time and you had the upset of um, the checkerboard over the, the classic like the OG all black uh, early 2000s that everyone knows and loves you, you chose checkerboard over over that but it's, it's it's checkerboard purple you know it's different. Mm-hmm. No, I understand. But do but you follow I, I that
0: take? I do, actually. Yeah. I, I mean, the, the tech is nice. I don't think. I think there's some that would be with me there.
1: No, I, I'm with you. I I just think like this is a big departure from that. Oh yeah, it's scratch. Sure yeah. Like, you, if you just brought that back straight up, I'd be like super into that.
0: Right. Or didn't they even like tweet out multiple times at the end of last year those O2 like kind of uh. Sharp letterings that go up on both ends. Classic jerseys as well. Like, they That's tweeted yeah. out. Yeah, like, teasing of those,
1: those That you chose, you chose these over those as great all time. But, yes, no, they always... Bring back either one. They've been teasing us with that forever. I mean, it's actually pretty upsetting. Like, the thing is, they have no reason to bring those back because they're still selling, like,
0: the shit out of those. <laughs> yeah, right. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, I will say, like, most of the teams, what are they, city jerseys, are pretty bad. There's, like, very few outliers that are good. Yeah, no, 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 no.
1: It's like they're batting, like, maybe 100. It's more like they're batting, like, 50. Like, less. Yeah. It's a really bad hit rate. I've seen some people, you know, they like the Hawks. They like the Miami ones, the Spurs ones. The Phoenix ones are pretty
0: cool, I will say.
1: They're okay. The what do you think about the Warriors ones?
0: Man, why did you do this after you moved? Is all like I think if you were still in Oakland, it'd be fine.
1: It's gentrification at its finest.
0: <laughs> to buy up
1: something from like a a, a you know a blue collar right uh, a, a workforce slash like fan base to move it to a place to sell it to sell tickets at a much higher rate and then to like sell back the idea. <laughs> of the the urban environment that you stole it from back to these these silicon valley yeah it's really embarrassing
0: I think the Jersey itself is cool, but yes, everything that you just explained makes it bad
1: yeah it's really offensive um no, I hate it i really <laughs> I really really hate it i can't blame um, you, well yeah, I mean it anyway. <laughs> oh, that's uh, that's Jersey talk for tonight. I I want to actually. I'm really enjoying this series of podcasts where we're doing late, mid to late second rounders because not only is it going to be applicable to the Kings' actual draft picks, but I'm really enjoying these guys and it's it's kind of informing my understanding of the upper part of my board too, to like really think about what's valuable and what's not valuable.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. Like I I will say, you know, for example, like Precious comes to mind a little bit when thinking of Paul Reed and it's like, okay, I agree that Reed is a second round pick. How much better is Precious really? Um, You know, I'm sure that you probably feel that a little bit at least. And yeah, so I'm with you here. And I think that personally, I may have, you know, shooting guards and small forwards that we've already gone through probably at the top of the guys, even if we include these ones. But there's definitely some interesting names here that, you know, I wouldn't be mad at 43 or even 52 taking a swing.
1: It's very surprising to me because my favorite player of, of anyone we've done in this group
0: is, is a power forward. Interesting. Okay. Huh. Well, this will be interesting to get through. Yeah, the five guys we're talking about today, and we're going to have fun with some pronunciation on this one. we got Paul Reed, Killian Tilly, Jordan Nawara, uh Nawara. I, I spent a lot of time focusing on the other guys' names and may have skipped over Jordan Nawara Nawara. Uh, but, and then I have Abdoulaye Ndoye and Lamy Genet. And yeah we're gonna get through all of them. We'll we'll mention the schools here and everything. And do you wanna start with Paul Reed or do you have a preference where we're starting?
1: Um it sounds like you want to start with Paul Reed and I'm on board for that. I I don't you know, we've we've gone over this, but there's really not consensus between the groups of five players. And again, I want to just drive home the point that these aren't necessarily true power forwards um, and like, you know, positionlessness is real and, and all that stuff. But it's just kind of like the five players in the back end of the draft that you could reasonably put together. But but, yeah, I, I don't think there's a consensus between these guys. I don't think there's been a consensus between anyone we've done in the past week and a half or that we'll do in the next week and a half. Um, and, yeah, I'm totally fine with anyone. So if you want to do Paul Reed, let's let's do Paul Reed.
0: All right, let's. I have a 6'9 and 220-pound forward with an unconfirmed, like, 7-foot-plus wingspan that he's working with. Um and, yeah, again, take that for what you will. I, I didn't see that confirmed anywhere. But I have 15 during his junior season at DePaul, 15.1 points, 10.7 rebounds, 1.6 assists, 1.9 steals, and 2.6 blocks per game, uh, 2.3 turnovers as well, 51% from the field, 30% from three on just 1.8 attempts a game, and 73.8% from the free throw line.
1: Yeah, of those stats, the one that jumps out to the most is is actually the steals for a big man to, you know, and we know that steal percentage, steal rate is traditionally thought of as a really good projector to the NBA, and it's not like it's just steals, it's the steals and blocks, the stocks, if you will. Um, combined steals and blocks are enormous on this guy, and um yeah, I mean, he's a defensive playmaker for sure. There I isn't I don't see a confirmed wingspan, but it's not hard I mean it's it is hard to doubt the seven foot plus figure you see floated around. And you know, I'm comfortable assuming that like seven one, you know, seven foot seven one mm-hmm. that's thrown around. I'm comfortable with assuming that just based on the eye test.
0: Yes, yeah, so Omai, oh and that does a lot for him defensively. Um, you know, he definitely fits this power forward that we've kind of, you know, gone with as like a mold for some of these guys here. But Paul Reed definitely fits that to me. I think that, especially when you're talking on the defensive end, I have, or I'll say the positives first. I think that he does a good job uh, defending on the perimeter fairly well with the length that he has, and he has some. Okay, uh, lateral quickness that he's working with as well, and yeah, does a good job staying in front of guys with that jumping and passing lanes. I feel like he's fairly smart and does a good job with his off-ball rotations. But he, like the difference between him and Precious, I would say, you know, Precious can guard fives, and Paul Reed with the strength that he's at, I don't feel comfortable with him doing that quite at this point, and I worry that he could be a little bit of a tweener. But I think that. I feel I probably feel good about him, you know, guarding fours, maybe threes in the NBA, but I see a potential road where he is a little bit of a tweener on defense.
1: You should be a lot more worried that he's a tweener. Um, I think like that's a major, major concern. I, I don't really understand how he couldn't be a tweener. I, like to be honest with you, I just don't. I'm just just to walk through like our process here of of projecting into the NBA. What guys that can't really guard fives and can't really shoot and aren't, you know, creators or passers, what guys, like, really exist? I mean, I'm just – I'm sure there are some, but what fours that are, are pretty traditional big men uh, on on offense, who are they?
0: Right. I, I was talking like specifically just the defense because when you get to the offense, no shot is where the kind of issue is there. Um, Like, yeah, defensively, I think it's a situation, you know, kind of similarly to Bagley where defensively he's a four, but then offensively he's a five, and you're a little screwed there. Yeah, you have like a Bagley, like, I, like John Collins, but those are both terrible examples of Paul well, Reed.
1: I'm even going to question like – who are the, who, like, what is a defensive four? Like, it's kind of, I think, like, a, a defensive four is a is a big defensive three or a small defensive five, but I don't know that, like, the, the archetype of this is a power forward defender, I don't know that it, like, really exists.
0: Right. I mean, is it, like, Jeremy Grant is what I thought of looking at him a bit? I like that one. That's, I think that's a very
1: strong example of a very few number of players. Right. Um, yeah.
0: Right. Um, and even
1: he, like, you know, you could probably in a pinch have him guard up, like, as you go into your bench.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you could. Um. Yeah, I'm trying to think of other guys. Like, it is a, a weird spot that he's kind of in.
1: Anyway, I'm, I'm saying I think he needs to to guard fives. Like I think that's mm-hmm. if you're if you're gonna buy on Paul Reed, it's because you think he's a small ball center or like yeah. a guy like a Jeremy Grant, where you can start him at the four, um, or you can you know you can start him defending whoever the other team's four is and then slide him up to the five and feel comfortable in that because you really gotta be able to switch, especially with the amount of pick and roll in the league at this time. Like, I mean, you're gonna have to.
0: Yeah, you are. And I think that he has more stock right now in, in being a switchable guy than he does like actually sticking and being able to stay with fives. And like you're saying, obviously, he's going to need to add some strength there. But I think he has the tools to, you know, potentially be effective as a small ball five. And yeah, I, I think that the length that he's working with and you just really need to strengthen up a little bit, but he's got decent instincts and yeah, it gets off the floor fairly quick. I think that some of the tools are there, and, you know, I could talk myself. Like, if Sacramento took him 43, like, I'd totally talk myself into it.
1: Yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit about the offensive side here. I mentioned it with the lack of, you know, handle, passing.
0: Um, self shot.
1: <laughs> yeah. That, oh, let me get to that in one second. So the things that he's good at, right, is, like, kind of – I mean, I hate to say it like this, but the Willie Stein, the Willie Collie Stein package, right? It's um, transition, uh, athletic, finishing, rim running, play finishing, like that. That type of stuff. Um, weirdly bad at pick and roll in terms of what he produced, at least. Uh, I think he was like tenth or eleventh percentile in the pick and roll as a roll man, uh, which is not an augury of good things to come concerning, concerning for this type of a player who should be good at that. And and then like the only other thing that really can excite you is the shot. And we can leave it. We can leave like the last comment on his uh, offense right here and just ask you, you know, do you buy some upside here? as just kind of a catch and shoot when open type of guy.
0: Right, like, complete standstill, spot-up, maybe a bit. Like, throughout his college career, he shot 103 threes and knocked down 33% of them. I think that, you know, that could be a reasonable percentage for him if you're talking, like, literally just wide-open spot-ups. But that's yeah. not a very useful offensive player.
1: Right, and is that useful? Because you can say that about, I don't know, every big man in this draft. Right. You can say that about Onyaki, on Kongu, You could say that about, you know, uh, You can say mm-hmm. that about uh, Oturu. You know, to all to varying degrees. So, but, like, does it, does it matter to you? Does it move the needle to you that he might be able to hit the occasional open three from the corner?
0: I, I think it's really important if he actually can be a small ball five.
1: Sure, but
0: I'm just – I guess I'm saying, like, I'm
1: not – comfortable like
0: just penciling him in as a shooter.
1: Yeah. Like I like yeah. so, like if I if I'm trying to like be realistic about what he is, I'm going to assume that he's not gonna be a shooter and then kind of view that as like found money if he does.
0: Yeah. I, I think that's that's fair. Um yeah. I, I again I mean it all rides on him being a five really shot and everything.
1: So we've got this Athletic, positive, defensive guy with, you know, perhaps some switching. I think he could, you know, I think he could guard centers. I think he could guard fours. Maybe he improves the pick and roll game. And, and, I mean, is is he anything more than just like an energy big man?
0: Um, maybe not. Like, I. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I think that there's a lot of really low-level starting centers, and I don't think it's crazy to say that that could be his ceiling. Um, It's pretty kind, but, like, I mean, I think there's pretty low-level starting centers.
1: I mean, there are, but then is, that kind of hurts him. This That same argument is an argument against Paul Reed. It's like, we'll just sign one of these right f- 50 centers in the free agent market that has an equal chance of, being the worst starter worst starting center in the league.
0: Yeah, it's fair enough. And you had a good point. I mean you probably could list what, eight guys above him in this draft positionally.
1: Yeah, I wonder where you come down at. so I'll I'll tell you where I have him on my board overall and we haven't done you know, there's a few guys like that could pop ahead of him. I think we're running out of those guys. But right now I have him forty fourth. And and I don't you know I, I expect that to stick pretty close, maybe 45th, 46th or something. Um, but I do have him below Zeke Daniel Oturu, um, Xavier yeah. Tillman. Uh, I mean, sure. does, he, does he fall behind, like, the group of centers that we've discussed before?
0: Yeah, definitely. I think every center that we've touched on is probably ahead of him. Um, yeah, there's a couple guys that I feel like a little lower on, like Isaiah Stewart-ish, but I don't, I don't know. Even then, like, I mean, Stewart definitely should be taking over him when you're considering age and everything. Um, But yeah, no, I mean, he, he's below all the centers that we've talked about. He's sixth for me out of all of the guys, that of the 15 that we're going to have covered between this episode and the previous two.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. And I left Stuart off that list because he's definitely plummeting down my board as well. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, at the, end of, at the end of the day, I think I still probably take him over Reed. So, yeah, I mean, and, and to say 44, yeah, I mean, you said you'd probably get excited and can talk yourself into him at Being a Bagley uh,
0: fit. At 43. Really? I think that I could talk myself into that.
1: Please do so on, like.
0: Well, I think that, you know, the idea is that Bagley is your 5 defensively, like you just need him to primarily kind of be protecting the rim. I guess either one of them you don't really prefer that much in a in a pick and roll setting, but you would be able to throw Reed in there and and when Bagley's forced to do it, he could do some off off-ball rim protection, and I think that's what you need alongside Bagley even though you want Bagley playing the 5, you need another rim protector type of guy there and then yeah I I mean I guess I've started to come around more to like Bagley also is probably a five on offense so I guess talking it through that the spacing wouldn't be amazing on that end but you would need both of them to probably outdo their shooting projection that's a little unrealistic talking it through the offense probably is not as great as I was thinking
1: I think it's like a disastrous fit. I I like Bagley's this undersized five who can't shoot it consistently yet, and you're gonna bring in another undersized five who can't shoot it consistently.
0: Yeah. No, fair enough. Like I think that, you know, the the defense is where I, I talk myself into the fit. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and, I mean, you question his ability to guard centers. So, anyway, right. that, that's fine. I I think it's a bad fit on both sides of the ball. But um, I think it would probably make more sense for him to be, like, a badly backup and kind of play a similar role behind him. Um, but, yeah, I don't even – I'm not in love with doing that as a general principle, so.
0: you like Killian Tilly better next to him? You bet your ass I do. <laughs> so, you this is your guy. <laughs> so, you this is your guy. so, this, this is, is my guy. guy. All right. He's absolutely my guy. Okay.
1: Go ahead, then. Yeah, I mean, uh, you, I think you have the basics in front of you. You can do the, the I numbers. Do, yeah, yeah, just, I do, have that here. I'll, I'll just say, um, yeah. Why uh, don't you be a here? Yeah, <laughs> Out of Gonzaga, 6'9", height, confirmed 6'10", wingspan, not mm-hmm. amazing there, 220. Um, I mean. Yeah,
0: I have these basics here if you want me to run it off. Go ahead, yeah. I have senior year at Gonzaga, 13.6 points. This is 24 games, Um, 5.0 rebounds, 1.9 assists, 1 steal, and 0.8 blocks, including one turnover, 53% from the field, 40% from three, and 72% from the free throw line. Ridiculous percentages. And, you know, I will say I heard a lot that he was considering coming out after his sophomore year had first-round buzz to him, and I don't recall the exact reasoning, but ended up going back to school, and since, yeah, I mean, he's missed 38 games in his college career, and sophomore and junior season was, or I'm sorry, junior and senior season were uh, riddled with injuries, and that's definitely what's made him fall down these boards because he's a very talented offensive player.
1: Yeah, I mean – it's it's really hard because I think he's the first guy we've done where injury concerns are the biggest downside. Um, and it's kind of terrifying to account for that in my board because I don't – I mean, you just don't know. Like, how how much do we chop off of the upside? How much do we chop off of the downside? I mean, I guess you could be cruel and put his, seal, I mean, his floor at zero due to health concerns, but that seems – odd it seems like a little bit aggressive to do that um I don't know I I didn't know how to account for the injury concerns simultaneous to just looking at his game so you know if you're okay with it I'm kind of kind of put that to the side for now and just talk about who he is as a player
0: yeah we'll put it aside for now but it definitely goes into his stock and before you put it aside I'll just kind of like list what he dealt with in the four years there was a knee surgery. There was a torn ligament in his foot, a stress fracture in his ankle, a bunch of sprained ankles, a broken finger, and a hip pointer, just to get those out there. But yeah, I mean, we can talk about his game aside from that. Okay.
1: We'll circle back to it, to be sure. Um, but yeah, just about what he does on the floor, it's the shooting. I mean, that's the number one, that's the headliner's skill here. It is yeah. a very advanced shot, and it's versatile. I think, you know, the Nemanja the comp isn't insane. It, it's it's a little generous because very few, very few big men um, guys this size have done it at that level for that amount uh, that that long in their career. Um, but it's versatile too. You know, I mean, it's it's, it's not the
0: sneaky playmaking.
1: Well, I'll just say on the shot, like it's not just standstill catch and shoot. Right. Um He can shoot from you know he can be off balanced. He can. He's not like an amazing athlete coming off a screen or what have you, but he can absolutely move into the shot um, and and shoot it, um, you know, leaning to create more space. That works for me. And then you said the sneaky passing. Go go ahead and, and tell me how positively you feel about the passing.
0: Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that means hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. And right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Try out Indeed with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through September 30th. I don't feel like he's an amazing playmaker or anything like that, but I think that, you know, the same way that you see an occasional dribble move and penetration just capitalizing on the insane gravity and hard closeouts that you see from opponents that Nemanja Bjelica does, I thought that Tilly was very similar in that. Like, he's just clearly a very high IQ player, and since he doesn't have a crazy athleticism all that well, I think he's been able to – have the game slow down for him a bit and like reads the floor very well and I think that that'll translate on a you know low level just being able to again attack a closeout make one more of the right reads like I think that if a guy closed out hard on him he'd be able to drive past him the center comes up and he's able to lob it up to the dunker and I think that you know that's something that you can't say for a lot of big men and it's a valuable skill and yeah, it's just it's little basic passes like that. None of them, I don't think, are necessarily going to wow you or anything, but it's enough to, you know, get it to the next guy open.
1: It's enough. And, yeah, maybe you were saying that in terms of the Bielitsa comp because Bielitsa has that as well. Bielitsa also has a very high IQ for the game. I think that's that's true for uh, Tilly as well. Yeah. Um, He's a good finisher. I obviously going to be limited by the vertical pop, the athleticism, but good finisher when he can get there and when he doesn't get his shot blocked. He's got that little push shot. Little, little, I mean, the, t- like, it's the shooting is, I don't want to just be, I sit here and say it's shooting. It's, it's touch, right?
0: Yeah, it definitely it's,
1: is. He's a shot maker.
0: Um, I'll, I'll also it, say real quick on his shot, like I think part of it is that it's such a quick release. He's got like the Clay Thompson, Duncan Robinson, like doesn't it bring it below his waist after he catches it.
1: I love it. I mean, I can see him working in pick and pop, um, in the mid range too. What you know, whatever. Um, I, I'm excited about him. Doesn't have like a hugely long wingspan. Like I said, doesn't have the vertical pop athleticism. Um, so he's not going to be like. A great pick-and-roll guy necessarily, not going to be a great rim protector um, for those reasons. But, you know, I, I think he could be passable there. And what you've got is a pretty modern, pretty prototypical stretch for um, if he's healthy.
0: Yeah, and in regards to the roll game, because I think he's got the pick-and-pop for sure that he's going to be able to work with with the quick release and okay decision-making if they close out hard. I think in the role game, you probably want him in a short roll, and then at that point, he either goes to that push shot, or he makes a de- decision from there, because I think that he is a, a a decent passer as well, and that's how he can make the role game work, and I'm curious what you make of him defensively, because this is another area I come back to the Bielita comp for. It's like, occasionally, you see a block here and there where you're like, actually, that was not bad, like, help side defense from Bielita, but for the most part, he's pretty much a negative out there. Not even for the most part. Like, he's a negative.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think his defensive IQ is strong, but the tools, as I've alluded to, are not there. Um, You know, I I asked you before about Paul Reed, you know, when talking about Paul Reed, like, what is a defensive four in the league right now? This is a defensive four in the league. You think? Hold on, listen. A defensive four in the league is a guy that's incapable of guarding threes or fives. (laughs) Do you know what I'm saying though? Yeah, yeah, I do, yeah, I kinda do, yeah. Like like you're only <laughs> you're only a four defender because if you can't defend other positions. It's kind of like being a two defender. Can't defend point guards, you're too slow for that, can't defend small forwards, you don't have the length for that. You kinda just stick you on the two. You know what I mean? Right.
0: Um, but I think a lot of teams, you know, where you're gonna run into the issue, like a lot of threes are kinda just becoming fours.
1: Oh, it's an issue. It, don't get me wrong, it's an issue. Um, it, and I'm not saying like he's a good four defender. I'm just saying like
0: right, this is the
1: type said. of player that gets that designation. Um, it it comes with the stretch four, and it's problematic enough where I don't really see him as like a, a end of game game closer type of player. Probably uh, could be taken advantage of in those situations, kind of like the Elita, but then there's also the possibility, well, is he just a good enough shooter and is that element too important to our offense to leave out? Um, but, you know, ultimately you'd prefer to not have that problem. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's a problem, Um but I have his feeling as, like, you know, I mean, you mentioned with Paul Reed, could his ceiling be the worst starting center in the league, like that type of thing, like a really low-end really low starter. I have I have Tilly's, Tilly's ceiling as a low-end starter.
0: I think that's fair, actually. Um, yeah, so then at, at this point, like, obviously I agree with you, his ceiling's there. And I think part of the reason I ranked him lower is that, like, I just obviously a lot of people that know more about this than me are, really knocking his stock because of these draft issues. You know, the story I heard, I think his one NBA draft workout that he had after his sophomore year, he went and worked out for Phoenix and rolled his ankle in his first practice and then wasn't able to work out for teams after that. Oh, wow. Um, And so I, it's just like, how much, how, how much do you knock him for this? You know, is it just once it reaches a team that is in a spot to take a swing? Like, I think Philadelphia would love this guy. You know, like, is it as simple as, a team needs to take a swing on him or how much do you knock him for these injury concerns?
1: I don't know that I have a good answer to this. I, I don't know that I, uh, I'm out of my depth here in evaluating how seriously to consider injuries. I mean, here's, here's what I'll say. Like if he was healthy, he'd be in the first round for me. Yeah. Like, if health was no of no concern. For sure. Yeah. Um, it is the concern, so I don't have him in the first round, but I have him damn close. Uh, you know, I, I really do have him damn close. I'll say, gosh, it feels high, and maybe I am maybe I don't ha- – maybe I have the ceiling is too high. I'll tell you what my ceiling is. It's like a it, – yeah, I'm not even really worried about it. My, my, I mean, my floor, I'm sorry. Maybe I have the floor too high. but, But, the, but my floor is like a 14th man. So – I don't know that it can really get meaningfully worse than that. Like, if he's worse than that, you just don't have him on your team. It doesn't hurt you to assume he can be that.
0: Right, because his floor is just, you know, only being able to play, what, like 30 games a year or something like that. But in those 30 games, he's productive.
1: It's not a good floor, but, all right, so I've got him on my board right now at 31. Okay. Okay. And I feel pretty good about that. I have him and Isaiah Joe as like the first two guys off the board in the in the second round, where you know if the shooting is real and translatable, and you know not to mention Isaiah Joe is coming off an injury as well. So maybe not best to invest a first rounder in them, but I don't know. As far as second round picks go, I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty here for it.
0: Yeah, I mean, again, like I said, Philadelphia, like, I think them t- taking Kill- uh, Killian Tilly at 34 or 36, I mean, they have both of those picks, is totally be- reasonable for them, and I, I definitely would, I-, I think that would be a good swing for them. How do you feel about Sacramento? Like, you have him ranked there, how would you feel about 35? Because I just, I mean, I'm not really a fan, like, I think that, I don't know, I guess because I'm with you that he has that low-end starter upside, but... I don't know, like, you said you have him ranked above, like, Jemias Ramsey. Uh, I, I don't know, a team that really should be looking to get young, and I think we agree on that. How do you feel about, you know, these young high upside guys compared to someone like Tilly at 35?
1: I mean, I don't love Ramsey quite as much as you do. I, I'm i intrigued by him, and it's nice to have a guy you can develop. Um, yeah. I, I see where you're coming from, where you draft a guy who's, like, four years younger and doesn't have injury concerns. You know, I mean, the potential payoff is significant. Mm. And you've already got Bielitsa here, although who knows how long
0: that'll last. Right. I mean, definitely, like, if you're going to tell me that you could get a, you know, B-level Bielitsa, and actually have him locked in for a good while, and then you're able to ship off the Elisa for assets after you pick up that option, then, I mean, that's a great pass, you know?
1: It is really sad, though, to say that, like, Tilly may not make it into a Sacramento Kings contender window. Like, already being 22, almost 23, and having the injury issues...
0: Yeah, like I, I mean, with how much we've talked about how like the team's young, but not really young. I probably would be a little upset with a 22, 23 year old guy, you know. <laughs> and then I'm gonna be like, "Yo, let picked on everybody."
1: I mean, I mean, like he, his injury concerns could like get him out of the league by the time he's like 27, right? And then the Kings wouldn't even like be in the playoffs by then, right? <laughs> uh, I don't know. How do you come? All right, yeah. I, for the Kings, I would go Ramsey. Um, for the Kings, mm-hmm. I would go, like, Isaiah Stewart, and I don't love Isaiah Stewart, but, you know, way younger, and he doesn't have, like, crippling injury issues. How do you... Here's the one-to-one. Killian Tilly or Xavier Tillman? Mm-hmm. Both kind of older guys.
0: Yeah. Uh,
1: very different. Like, one can shoot, one super can't shoot, but... Both high IQ guys. Tillman a way, way better defender.
0: I think I go Tillman because, you know, when you're talking fives, I think that rim protection is probably their most important skill. And I think that Tillman does a really good job at that while also having potential switchability and, you know, maybe being able to space the floor in a limited capacity as well. So I'd probably go Tillman. But, like, I don't know. I think there's teams that, you know, say, like, uh, it's probably insane because, like, if, say, like, Maladon or Balmero, were or as there something like that, but, like, 23, Killian Tilly next to Rudy Gobert. You know, like, tell me that isn't just a great pit, fit there. Oh, you, you're saying for the Jazz. Yeah, and I think that's probably too high because, you know, there will be some guys, like I mentioned, like a Maladon, Balmero, that I, I would prefer above that, likely. But, you know, I mean, for a team that, you know, needs spacing and obviously has their center position set, like, that's a spot where, you know, I'd like Tilly better than Tillman.
1: That's interesting, but I think if I'm the Jazz, I try to find that guy elsewhere. I try to get the elites off the Kings or, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I guess Bob I to...
0: kind of is already feeling that.
1: Yeah, yeah, he kind of – you can find other fours that can shoot.
0: Mm-hmm. I don't know
1: that you necessarily need to spend – a pick 23. This is kind of why I have him in my second round.
0: Yeah, fair enough. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, I prefer Tillman over there, but I think there are situations where I could see a team preferring Tilly, understandably.
1: I'd prefer Tilly for the Kings. Um, what about older point guards that we talked about? What about Flynn or Cassius Winston versus Tilly? Tilly.
0: Yeah, this is hard. Um, I mean, like definitely over Cassius Winston, and but I don't know. Like personally, I I think I like Devon Dotson. Nico Mannion has a high upside that you've talked me into. Malachi Flynn is close, but I don't know. I, I might lean Tilly. Like the spacing is just super valuable, and while he's not a good defender by any means. Like, the length and size that he's working with is going to make him passable at times, you know? Yeah,
1: I think the logic you're applying to putting Ramsey over Tilly makes sense where it's like the payout could be much higher with Ramsey. But then if you compare him to a guy like Flynn, who I don't really see as an upside guy, then I think the payout is actually the highest payout is Tilly gets it together health wise and stays stays good to go, and then you've got the best player.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, like you like you mentioned it. I mean, I think I'm with you. Like, I think that you know this draft is kind of such a crapshoot. Like Tillian could be a you know lottery level talent if he were were to stay healthy and lottery lottery level contributor, like a top fifteen ten guy in this draft. Yeah. I mean, it's asking a lot,
1: but I know Bryant West has him in his first round. I uh, mm. if he, if you guarantee me he's healthy, definitely take him at twenty three. Um, but but for now, just uh, at the top of my second round. Um, yeah. Do you want to move on to? I had another guy here that we did tonight um, in this mix, actually above Paul Reed.
0: Okay, is that
1: a uh, Louisville Jordan Aura? It is Jordan Nora. Uh, 6'7", six seven, six ten, confirmed wingspan, two twenty five. Um yeah. You know, this is the power forward episode. I I am comfortable calling him a four. What about you?
0: Yeah, and I think that you know there's also a chance that he's a three, but I guess probably a little bit of a limited Lateral quickness that he's working with. I don't know. Yeah, it's probably better to be a four, but I think that there's a possibility of him being a three as well. Mainly, I mean, you're talking about the defense end because I think you know he spaces the floor fine at either position.
1: Right. And I think this is the same same logic where this is a this is a defensive four. Um, with Tilly, it's more that he we wish he could defend fives, but he can't. And with Noir, we wish he could defend
0: threes, but he can't. Yeah, and the basic numbers I have for Noir is junior year at Louisville, 18 points, exactly 7.7 rebounds, 1.3 assists, 0.7 steals, 0.3 blocks, 2.1 turnovers on 44% from the field, six attempts and 40% from three in that junior year, and 81% from the free throw line. We got a shooter here, Rich. We definitely do. I... He is more of a of a pure set
1: shooter. I don't think that he has the shot versatility of Thiele. I don't love how he looks off balance or coming off screens. I kind of just want him to shoot uh, set shots, but I want him to shoot all the set shots.
0: I think there's potential.
1: Potential I, loss movement. I'm with you, but I... I don't think it's I'm just trying to clarify it's not the level of, of Tilly. It, yeah. It's my opinion, but No, I'm with you. It, I it was more of like a swing factor for him, the ability to become more versatile with his shooting. Um, you know, and also for a guy that we would like to play small forward, I think there's concerns around the handle, around the playmaking. Um, self-creation stuff, kind of stuff that you would want to see from a three. That's kind of why I'm – it's not just a defensive four. I think it's also kind of – I think he's just kind of a stretch four. Like, that's the ideal role for him to be be put in.
0: I think it definitely is. I think this is a three and D four that you're kind of looking at. And like you're saying, there's not quite the handle. And while I think that he is a weirdly good athlete, he's a very good case of – different uh, ways of athleticism. I think he gets off the ground really quick. I think that his, or not necessarily really quick, but he has a good um, lateral, or I'm sorry, a good vertical um, athleticism to him. And you see that a lot, especially in transition. I think that he has an okay top speed and an okay lateral quickness, but his first step is like genuinely bad, I think. And that combined with a, poor or like below average level handle is going to limit what he's able to do and his finishing around the rim was you know another differentiator if you, if you want to talk about Tilly a little bit like Tilly's two-point percentage is 62 percent and Jordan Noora's two-point percentage was 46 percent uh, very big difference that you're working with there and part of that is a little bit of that lack of first step where he's not going to be able to get to the rim, I thought that, you know, he did a lot of, he did, he had the ball in his hands a lot more at Louisville than he's going to at the NBA level, so I think that the idea is definitely using him in a different role than what you saw at college in a more limited capacity, just straight 3 and D guy. Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball and Basketball is finally kicking off this week, and there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Check out all the odds, futures, and props to bet on. All available 24-7. And with the return of sports, BetOnline sat down with former pro players, Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven-time NBA champion, will go with six-time NBA champion, Robert Ory. See what they had to say and what it'll be like playing without fans in a series they're calling Fandemic. Visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. Bet online, your online wagering experts.
1: I was not as impressed with the athleticism as you. I think it's just a, a
0: pretty cold negative. It's not in transition that he showed it off a little bit.
1: Uh, I I don't know. I this it, the tape didn't didn't jump out. Did, nothing really jumped out. To me, even in the highlight real stuff, like yeah you'll see i mean like he's six seven like he's gonna throw down some stuff, you know what I mean, but yeah that's
0: fair. um he's definitely not a impressive athlete or anything,
1: and especially regarding like defensively i you i think you see it there like his his defensive like fundamentals are solid, it's just i think it's a lack of tools that could keep him from being a good. Uh, a defender like projecting him to defend threes or fives I think it's just i think it's the lack of athleticism that keeps him from doing that more than the intelligence um intelligence is the right word, but like you know awareness feel mm-hmm. like it's he's got those things i think he just i don't think he's got enough to work with body wise to to execute like if he if he had the tools to defend the three or the five, I think that he has the the smarts to do it, um, the recognition to do it, I just don't think he can can get there, at least at an NBA level.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I don't think that he's a plus defender there, but I don't think that he's killing you either. Like, I think a backup four, three, and D is – he could totally fill that role. I don't know if he mentioned a 6'10 wingspan that he's working with. And I will say, like, you do not – you kind of mentioned this as, like, an issue with offensively him being a three. You do not want him initiating the offense. In his three years at Louisville, he tallied 95 assists and 168 turnovers. Um, Yeah, not great.
1: You keep saying three and D, and I'm just not fully with you, I think. I think he's more of just a three. A three and – Okay. I don't know. Like D is fine when he is matched up on, on like a less athletic four, and he's not having to switch. But I don't know. I, it's fine. I mean, it, it's three and D, but it's very imbalanced because he's so much better at, at shooting than he is at defense, in my opinion. And
0: yeah,
1: I don't know. I just kind of see him as a stretch four. I see. I mean, like it's pretty similar. To tilly in my opinion, except he doesn't have the injury concerns and he's not quite the top end shooter
0: totally fair and I think that the team that buys on Nawara is telling themselves that you know he was a little bit improperly utilized during his time at Louisville, and yeah you I think that a team is going to think that if they are able to use him off the ball a little bit more that you know some moving off movement a little bit or at least just moving to open spots and running him through screens a bit. I thought that he was also smart if they were top-locking him of cutting back door and things like that. I think that the team that buys on him has to buy that he is going to be a lot more of an off-ball guy than he was at Louisville.
1: All right, so would you prefer Nora or
0: Xavier Tillman? Mm. Uh, give me, give me Tillman. Like I, I'm confident that Tillman's an NBA player, and Nori, I have some concerns.
1: Okay,
0: I'm not confident that Tillman's an NBA player. Really? Yeah. Really? Okay.
1: No, for sure. Um, hmm. I think like, uh, yeah, I, I think like the like the NBA Twitter has just gone completely insane on Xavier Tillman. Um, like. I, I really hate it when everyone buys into, oh, like he's gonna be able to stretch the floor when there's really no reason to believe that. Well,
0: I think that the way that you keep yourself useful on offense, if you, even if you're not great at stretching the floor, is five is being able to play make a little bit in a short role, even and being an okay finisher. And he's, I think that he does both of those well. Like I think it's the passing for Tillman, along with the defense, that kind of does it for me. It's just
1: so specific to a circumstance like you've got to get whoever is the other big Mixa Tillman has to be able to shoot and maybe I'm biased because the Kings don't have that but I just I absolutely don't buy that you know IQ makes you a guaranteed NBA player and like yes he is a very very good passer um and he's a very very smart player but that to me that does not an NBA player guarantee. Um, Simultaneously, being a 40% shooter from three does not an NBA player guarantee, but I would take that side of the bet here on Nwara. I think that being a kind of bankable skill is exciting to me when we've sat here and said, you know, we see some defensive upside, You, you know, you see him as a three and D four, He's more pluggable in more situations. You know, I I think maybe ceiling-wise, he's not as exciting. But in terms of a general draft perspective and trying to think of, you know, is he on the average team? You know, who's more useful? I'm definitely, definitely leaning Nora. You know, the reason I, I say them is because put them together is because they're very close on my board. But I do have have Nora. Um, ahead of Tillman for sure.
0: Interesting, yeah. I think that I just I like Tillman as a better as a player, and I think that he's more impactful. But with the value of centers at this point, I actually would not be mad if Sacramento took Noara over Tillman because the logic would just be that you could get a replaceable center um, on the market.
1: Right, like Tillman could totally be one of those guys that goes into that mix of, you know, sort of the scrap heap centers of the free agent world, but I don't see what's special about him. Um, I mean, I, I, I do, I get it. Like, he's smart and he can pass well, but he's a really bad athlete and he can't shoot. So, I don't know, I'd I prefer to take the guy that at least has, I don't know, some defensive and athletic upside and you know, maybe could end up defending some threes. Lord knows the Kings need that. Um, and especially if Bielitsa is headed out the door, a stretch forward to replace him, I think is more useful than just, a, you know, a passing big man.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair. And I, I think the one thing, other thing I want to mention on the war is that he was a, He took a lot of tough shots that he had a poor first step, and that led to kind of, you know, one or two dribbles and then throwing up some really bad looks. Like, he almost reminded me of Buddy Heald on offense, except, like, in the way that he's not really able to get to the the rim, but the difference being, like, Buddy makes a lot higher percentage of his tough shots. You know, like, Buddy's just kind of a tough shot maker, and I think that Nawara took the tough looks and – you know, sometimes they went down, but for the most part, they were just kind of bad shots to throw up. But that's the team he was working with. And, again, that's not going to be his role at the ambient level.
1: Right. And, I mean, yeah. So just to go off something I wanted to say earlier about Tilly, you know, you, you mentioned the short roll there with Tillman. And that's great, especially if you can pop as well. Um, and then you can get a variety of different looks, a little pick and roll, a little pick and pop and you get a versatile offense and just I I think Tilly can work in that short role and as a popper and I think that's where you unlock um like Marvin Bagley, right? Right. That's how you create the space where you have, you know, Tilly can shoot it or he can, you know, make a read to a cutting Bagley. Um you know, where Bagley is not necessarily sitting below the rim, but he could he could be he could be slashing, and then Tilly could find him. And that's where, yeah. I mean, that marry these two players, Tillman and Nora, and you kind of get a little bit of both in, yeah. in
0: Tilly. Man, if only we could see him Bagley along, a Tilly-like player, you know? It just sounds like such a nice fit. I
1: mean, that's – I have him <laughs> number one in this group, to be sure.
0: <laughs> yeah. If, if
1: only that guy didn't have, like – Insane injury history.
0: Right. I was kind of poking fun at, you know, Bealys is on the team, and I feel like we never see those two on the floor together. I mean, Bagley's just never on the floor, but yeah. Um, are you fine moving on to the other two guys, which to me is a pretty clear tear drop off? Tilly and Bagley would be the best.
1: Never on the floor. <laughs>
0: it's true. <laughs> I mean, we would just, just constantly <laughs> be hyped. Just, be like, just wait. Just wait till they're healthy.
1: Um. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, Let's move on. This is a big tear break for me, by the way. Like, really significant tear break for me yes. coming up right here.
0: Yeah, definitely guys you're talking about at this point are, you know, 52 or even undrafted. And the first one I'll go through is Abdoulaye Ndoye played at Cholet. He played in France, the same league that um, Killian – I'm sorry. Yeah, Killian Hayes. I, I thought I screwed up the name at first there is playing in at the moment, and he's playing now, I believe, but last season, 2019-20, he averaged 30 minutes a game and put up 10 points a game, uh, 4.2 rebounds, 4.0 assists, 1.3 steals, 0.4 blocks, and 2 turnovers, along with 52% from the field, 44% from 3 only on 1.4 attempts a game, and 75% from the free-throw line, that's over 25 games in that 2019 season playing in France.
1: Yeah, so I'll be honest with you. I couldn't get a ton of, of good uh, game tape of him. It felt like picking and choosing. There's some out there, um, and it, but it's even hard to know, like, okay, especially with international guys, it's like, okay, so what specific level of competition is best at? And right and like how good is this team that he's playing against uh, you know or like even more specifically how good is this guy defending him um within that league and within that tier it's really tough um so i'm i'm kind of just going to throw my hands up in terms of uh, just saying that my evaluation could be totally off um but obviously the playmaking is like the selling point with him he's Six seven, and he has guard skills. Uh, he considers himself a point guard. I'm not sure that that's. I'm not sure that I'm on board for Oof. that.
0: Yeah, I haven't heard that. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, I know other. I know some some scouts that I trust call him that. I don't know that I'm on board for that. I I just. It, it might be
0: because what does he do if he doesn't have the ball in his hands? <laughs>
1: Right, right. And, it, I mean, I, I think at best it's reasonable to say, like, at best he's a secondary playmaker. Um, but the advantage is that he can definitely, at least in theory with the tools and the athleticism he has, he can at least in theory guard forwards. And so there's some intrigue there. You get a guy who can guard threes, maybe guard a few fours, and pass like a, a combo guard.
0: Are you intrigued? I am, actually. I I think that he would be an interesting swing for Sacramento when you're talking towards pick 52, also because he could be a stash guy, and there's no way that the Kings can take on four different draft picks that they'd bring in. So, yeah, I mean, you mentioned guys that are kind of stuck as fours on defense because they're not big enough to guard fives but not quick enough to guard threes. And I think that he's not big enough to guard fives, pretty obviously. Six, seven, 185. I have an unofficial roughly like seven two wingspan, you know, you could say seven foot, seven one, somewhere in that range. I think he has the plus wingspan. Like I I felt good about that when watching him, but he's definitely a lengthy and sort of thin guy you're working with. He's not guarding fives, but I thought that he was quick enough to maybe hold his own with some threes if you're talking his upside. And that excites me a little bit there. And yeah, you see some of that speed that he's working with on the offensive end, like All of the clips I found were him initiating the offense. And I just don't think that he's going to be able to do that at the NBA level because he doesn't have any sort of moves to him. And um, I want to pull up the exact age here, but I believe he's fairly older, right? Yeah, he's 22 years old. Like, if this was an 18-year-old prospect, I would be so much more intrigued because there's just an entire handle package that if he were able to – slowly add to his game would do so much for him but right now it's just these really long strides and it's more of that than actually being really quick but that paired with an okay speed makes him get up and down the floor at an okay pace and yeah he he also changes that pace fairly well but there's no real moves like I guess a slow down and euro step or he has a really nice floater that he works with but a lot of times it's a straight line drive that's going to Result in charges, like he's a super raw prospect, obviously. Um, So, yeah, I I think that he just needs some more, like, craftiness. I think he's going to be really predictable in the NBA. Yeah, he needs to be a good defender.
1: He needs to, like, become a good defender in the NBA to make any sense at all, really.
0: Um, And even then, like, I, I don't know, like, he gambled a lot. And there were times he just looked completely schooled on that end. For sure, for sure. Um,
1: yeah, I mean, uh, a name that I heard thrown out there with him was Frank Nilakina. Definitely it, thought of this. Is there any? And like Ntilikina hasn't exactly been tearing it up, you know. But like <laughs> that, at least like that theory of okay, he's he can guard threes, but he's a good passer. I guess is like,
0: does that make any sense? I well, Milikino is, like, a legitimately really good defender, and I just don't feel right. confident that Ndoye is going to do that.
1: Right, and Milikina won in the top ten. And we're talking right. about a guy that could be going in the bottom, you know, top 50 at best, bottom ten. Yeah. Um, and, and the
0: shot, which we haven't really touched on, like, what did I mention? Uh, I'll pull it up again here, but I said 44% on that one season, but over his career that I have from 2015-16 here to – What's been going on this year, I have 35% from three on 167 total attempts, but these are like complete standstills. The form's a little funky. Like, I, I don't feel good about him as a three-point shooter. Um, Like, maybe the same level as, like, Paul Reed, I guess? It's tough because the numbers are
1: better, I feel like. It's just the sample size and then the different leagues. It's this is just me and you. I think is unrefined prospect evaluators being like, "Is this real? You know, right. it, on this level at this league." And then yeah, I mean, Noah Keen, I think was eighteen, right? So, I believe so. Yeah. There's a big separation there. I wonder if, like you said, if he was eighteen, I'd be I'd be pretty excited. Like another point of comparison, I think, you know, Teo T- T- Maladon. There there was a lot of similarity in their game as as initiators who could just kind of pass over the defense. Um, he's got good length, good height, and, and a lot of his finishing as well was just he's taller and longer and bigger than the guy trying to stop him, and he
0: can just kind of get over the top of him. Right. Maladon's just so, like, patient and in control. That's just such the opposite for NDOA. Sure. No, yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: I think he's, like, a much lower level. I I, I just, I think they put in the same league, too. Um, but regardless, mm-hmm. I don't have, mm-hmm. like, any real positive feelings about Ndoye. All the power forwards that, like, we're talking about are old. Everyone's 98, um, you know, uh, 1998, 1997. It's, there's not a lot of upside here. Although, I will say, like, Just the base theory of, hey, maybe he could guard threes and fours and be a plus passer and could knock down open shots, it's not nothing.
0: No, it's not. And it intrigues me. You know, he hasn't played in an NBA style. Like, if he had NBA coaching that was prioritizing more of what you're talking about to mold him into that NBA role player, like... He interests me a little bit. Like, you know, he screams like an OKC type of guy, where you're just buying athleticism and length. You know.
1: Yeah, I have him low. Um, he's gonna be outside of my top 50. Um, I would take him over some guys that are. I don't know, a, a few guys, not a lot of guys. I think, and I think that ultimately he'll function as a higher pick because of the stash ability. So.
0: I don't know. Right. That's what does it for me liking gun like, I Sacramento. really like
1: him as a prospect. But I'll say this, I might take Endoy over Dotson if it's like, well, we just don't really have room for another guy.
0: Yeah, that's all the appeal for Sacramento, for sure, is just needing to, to stash that pick, really. Yeah. No. Yeah, and then the very last guy I have here is – quite the pronunciation as well, Lamy Genet, who played at, uh, I don't want to get it wrong. Cal State Northridge. Yes. Yes, he did. And uh, he absolutely dominated that league. Um, In his sophomore season, 25.6 points, 10.2 rebounds, 2.8 assists, 1.7 steals, two blocks a game, 2.9 turnovers as well on 48% from the field. 28% from three on some okay volume, 2.9 a game, and 66% from the free throw line, 9.4 attempts there per game as well. Uh, Yeah, absolutely dominated low-level competition here.
1: Yeah, and you see this in in low-level college environments where it's like, okay, well, this guy shouldn't be in this conference. And it's just kind of unfair. He's too big, he's too long, he's too good, frankly, to be in this conference. But it also doesn't really mean anything, because this conference is no good. I mean, I hate to say it, it's just like... He's playing against U.C. Davis. Right, he's playing against you Davis. <laughs> he's playing against the Aggies. Right. I. It's no good, man. I it, it, Especially how he's getting it done, which is a lot... Of interior post moves and
0: um, just, just being six eight,
1: just being longer and taller than everybody else, it's and more athletic. Mm-hmm. It, none of that means I hate to say it, but like none of it means anything to me, really.
0: Right, like you shoot sixty two percent around the rim, and it's like, okay, well, who was protecting the rim every single game? And I am curious, like right. I like he did this kind of this pretty much the same thing as freshman year, like his three point attempts went up and. Aside from that, like it's a lot of the same as his freshman year. You came out and dominated. Like, I- I'm curious, and maybe I should have looked into this a little bit more. Like, why did you not go to a higher competition level?
1: Um, from last season.
0: Yeah, because his freshman year was a lot of the same thing. Like, it was clear he came in and was going to be able to dominate this league.
1: I'll Google this to make sure, but I think he got hurt. Um,
0: okay, like- he did only play 19 games, uh, sophomore year.
1: I thought okay. I, I read I, in my readings on Diante. I, I thought there was something. Sorry, Jeanne, Jeanne. Jeanne. Yeah. Come on Jeanne, now. <laughs> if for anyone who wants to read about him, it's spelled D-I-A-N-E. Uh, Jeanne. I, I'll have to find it again. But I'm I'm pretty sure that he's he's he was injured after uh, his freshman season. Yes. Uh, allow, he needed to allow a wrist injury to heal. Okay. Yeah.
0: Got it. Yeah. Makes a little bit of sense. Don't quote me on that. I'm just
1: just Googling here.
0: Right. And, yeah, I mean, obviously this is, I I think that you tweeted out something probably during your prep of, you know, potentially like an undrafted guy to take a swing on because he has interesting physical tools, again, like 6'8", and he's he's lengthy and probably a little more on the thin side, but he's fairly fluid for the length that he has and has a quick first step and I I guess like an okay base handle to work with. And again, this is all like at a low level, so it's hard to tell, but he was a really good rebounder, like obviously 10.2 a game, 11.2 his freshman year. But again, like how much of that is because he's... 6'8", eight and just so much more athletic than these dudes.
1: Yeah. Also, just point out that I found googling that he was ruled academically ineligible for uh, a semester. So <laughs> that could have been involved in that process as well. Anyway, yeah. Like, <clears throat> what's translatable? What isn't? I don't know. I I don't think much of it is. I I hate to say it. I. It's – he's a really good interior scorer. Will that matter when he's not facing off against, like, six, seven guys with no athleticism? Probably not.
0: Um, Can the shot keep turning upwards?
1: Yeah, and probably not. Like, I hate to say that, but probably not. I I don't – I'm not going to sit here and and look at a 29% shooter on moderate to low volume in the college – at the college level and be like, I – Expect anything to come of that. It's certainly possible that it could, but it's possible that anybody. You know, this is the thing. I can't just, I can't just for every single damn player in the 50s and 60s, 70s and 80s of of the prospect rankings think, well, they could technically figure out how to shoot. Right. I can't do that anymore. I've got to draw a line, and he's on the he's on the poor side of that line. He's on the bottom side of that line. Where if any NBA-level shooting comes into play, it's a complete revelation in my opinion. Also, okay, so the tools are the only thing that I have to hold on to as far as upside. He is very long. He is very athletic. That's exciting, but is it anything really? um, I don't know. I'm not convinced. The frame is really not ideal either. I think he's got to add a lot of strength. Um, you know, he's mobile and and, and obviously long. for he's also 22, by the way. Yeah, and that's not young. It, it's, this is just a guy with, like, defensive tools and the ability to put the ball in the bucket. But as far as an NBA prospect, like, no, I, no.
0: Yeah, no, I, I'm totally with you. And, you know, I guess the, like, optimism argument for his shot would be that it was trending upwards. Like the freshman season, only 23 attempts and sure 30%, I guess. But sophomore season in only 19 games compared to 33, he obviously had a focus on that and up to 56 attempts on 28%, you know, not promising, not like a good percentage or anything, but like showed a little bit of improvement there. And then also the free throw percentage on, again, good volume. He's getting 9.4 a game in that sophomore season jumped to 66% from 52, which, you know, they're not inspiring numbers or anything, but it shows some progress, I guess. Just trying to, like, you know, pitch the optimism, I guess, if you were to buy him.
1: The only optimism I can pitch here is that um, Gabe Vincent came out of this conference and succeeded in Stockton with the Sacramento Kings G League team and, you know, you get a guy from that level of competition, there's a chance he develops. Of course, the Kings didn't get anything out of that. It let him just you know, go and sign with the Miami Heat um, and go to an NBA Finals, and they have nothing to show for it. But, hey, that's what the G League is for most of the time, and I absolutely am extending an offer to him to come join uh, the Summer League, or, you know, that doesn't exist right now, but to join, um, you know, to join the G League team. I would love to to see him in Stockton. I think that's I – w- I don't even know that I'd offer the two-way. I think get him in training camp, maybe if he shows out and you don't have other guys kind of competing for a two-way spot, maybe you offer him a two-way. I wouldn't use a draft pick on him. So that's where I'm at.
0: Yeah, fair enough. And, you know, to, to rank the guys that we have here, one to five, I have – Killian Tilly, Paul Reed, Jordan Nuora, and then a clear tier break until we get to Abdulai Ndoye and Lame Genet.
1: Yeah. Do you have anyone that we've done at all in this sort of five-at-a-time group that is lower than Genet?
0: Um, I actually put no, no, no. Yeah. He's in the same tier as Mason Jones and Skyler Mays. But he's he's the lowest. I have my whole fifteen here. I could run through it real quick. Uh yeah, sure. I have uh Demias Ramsey, Emmanuel Quickly, Cassius Stanley, and then I have uh, Killian Tilly, Elijah Hughes, Paul Reed, Jay Scrubb, Sam Merrill, uh, Jordan Nabora, Najee Marshall, Nate Hinton, Abdullah Endoye, Mason Jones, Skyler Mays, and then LeMay. Gene
1: gotcha I have Sam Merrill lower because I'm continuing my war against Sam Merrill he is maybe last on my yeah. list uh, <laughs> but yeah it doesn't matter at that point you're not on my top 60 don't spend a draft pick on Janae or Merrill um, the only other thing that I'd mention is that I'm way higher on stretch fours here I have Tilly and Wara higher than pretty much everyone you've, I mean, they're at the top of my list I think the potential for a stretch four it's just useful, man. Like, it's kind of the opposite of the five where, you know, centers are a dime a dozen, stretch forwards super-duper aren't. Um, if Tilly or Nora could be, I don't know, 75%, 80% of Davis bertons that's really freaking valuable.
0: Yeah, I guess I'm just thinking that more and more often you're seeing fours really just be threes, and I think that these guys could be – Specifically, like, Tilly, just really big defensive liabilities.
1: I don't know. I, I'm not as worried about Tilly's defense. I'm not as worried about Nora's defense. Like, I, I'm more worried about, you know, Ramsey being a defensive liability, about yeah. him quickly being a defensive liability. Even Stanley. I, I just think there's a, a clear path
0: to to a stretch for making sense for an NBA team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, it's definitely interesting, and, like, we clearly see the value with, with Bealita. You know, I think that, obviously, him starting over Bagley, deservedly so, and just the difference in the spacing that you're working with with him out there compared to some of the backups that Sacramento's had in his place. Like, I definitely see where you're coming from. Um, not the biggest fan of Tilly because, again, like, I think Sacramento should be swinging on some upside guys. But overall, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely could – get behind having him at, say, like, 43 that you're working with there. Um, yeah, I, it's an interesting crop of guys there for sure. Those those top three, I think, are interesting prospects with potential to st- stick in the league for a little while.
1: All right, so we've only got our point guards and our centers left here. Do you have a preference for next episode?
0: I don't really. Do you, like – you know the list better than me. Is there more intriguing ones one way or the other? Centers are just so underwhelming.
1: They are, but I, I think it'd probably make more sense to go centers.
0: Uh-huh. Um
1: especially coming off of a power forward conversation. And we could really drive home, you know, what makes you know, Vernon Carey a five versus a four. You know I I think there I think there's a couple of decently interesting names here. I'm just not you know and ultimately Probably the most interesting guy left is Peyton Pritchard, the point guard. But I'm just not really excited. So we'll circle back around and do the point guards last, I think.
0: Sounds good to me. Yeah, as Buki's part of that center list. And I'll just never forget when I had a, my office job pre-COVID of this Warriors fan telling me that they were going to get the number one pick, and you know, I was like, oh, yeah, isn't like Anthony Edwards, you know, kind of the guy they'd be considering there? James Wiseman, he's like, no, 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 no. I really love that Azubuki kid from Kansas. Like, I really think they're going to take him at the top. I was like, all right, dude. But oh, I, will just, I will forever link uh, Yudoka Azubuki.
1: I will say this about Azubuki: seven feet tall, seven, seven wingspan, 270 pounds. That's, uh, a lot of basketball
0: players yeah it definitely is um and i think that's going to do it for this episode um if you enjoy definitely go check out additional draft content at king's herald and take a look at their patreon to support local independent king's coverage if you enjoy this episode of the king's balls podcast please subscribe rate and review and you'll hear from us again in the next couple of days here